Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Pin Seekers podcast. That's our name for now. Um, might be workshopped along the way, but it kind of rolls off the tongue. I was telling Jacob this, right? So um, just get into it real fast. Uh, Jacob and I are obviously big golf fans. Um, we kind of see each other three or four times a year right now. And what, what would you say, like 85, 90% of that time is talking about golf? <laughs> it's like it's like we barely even talk about each other's lives at this point. It's just we just go straight into whatever golf's on, whatever golf is going on, what's happening in golf, <laughs> where we played last. I, right. I think in February, I saw you last, and uh, he, he and a buddy picked me up from the airport, and we just started firing on the past week's tournament. And I think it took until like 7 o'clock that night four or five beers for me to be like, Hey man, like you still living, you still living where are you living, you know, like, and I think that was the first non golf question that I had asked him. Yeah. That, uh, it tends to be a lot of my life sometimes where I just, that is what I talk about. Um, but then when, when I'm with you, it's just, that is it. That is it. And I guess that's a good reason to start a podcast. Right. Yeah. No matter no matter how horrible the content might be, it uh, it's definitely therapeutic to talk about it. So um, we'll see. Let's let's have some fun with this, and I think we'll start out and we'll just you know talk about the the landscape in general. I know there's so much going on right now in the in the world. Uh, talk about obviously the week's tournaments, although I know what's coming up this week isn't necessarily all of our favorite tournaments, yeah. but. Um, yeah, we're just going to have fun with it, adjust along the way, and I uh, hope you guys do too. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we think this is going to be really fun. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. I have a lot of other people in my life who like talking about golf, and we're going to try to bring in as many different ideas and as many different conversation pieces as possible. Cool. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it and talk a little bit about the uh, RBC Heritage. Obviously, a really fun tournament after yep. kind of a low-key Masters. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick getting his second win on the PGA Tour. I mean, th those are two pretty good wins to have under your belt. Um, I know for a while he was just winning over in Europe. But um, yeah, it was it was cool to see him battle with Jordan down the stretch and obviously get a playoff and have a bunch of guys in it after kind of like we've talked about that Masters um, kind of being a runaway show with Rom. Yeah, I I personally really, really like Matty Fitz. I, I think he's just such a genuine guy. He seems so nice, albeit a little nerdy. He's, you know, the braces and everything. They get me every time. Uh, and he also still looks like he's like 13 years old somehow. I think he's probably like what 27, 28. He's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and he somehow continuously every time this guy's in contention just nails shots down the stretch. It's unbelievable. I mean that obviously on 18 at the U.S. Open last year, like like arguably one of the best shots that you can hit in that oh, yeah. scenario out of the bunker exactly. guys were struggling to get to the green all week and and then to come back and turn that around this week i mean i think that was the obviously the closest ball on 18 By all far. week and it was tracking yeah it was tracking like that that thing was i thought it was going in 
I wouldn't have been shocked. It, you know, give or take could have 50, 50 at that point. Yeah. I, I love Fitzy. Um, obviously to see what he did at the U S open and kind of stare down Zalatoris and Scheffler after a few hiccups along the way, um, to get your first win in America was pretty incredible. And yeah, you're like, there's something about him, right? He just looks like he doesn't belong out there. Totally. Like the whole crowd was there. He was getting USA chance. Guys were, everybody too. was going for speed. You know, where he writes. Yeah, he's, every he's recorded shot. every yeah. single shot. Right. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it was cool Cool to see him kind of stare down Spieth um, and kind of go blow for blow and, and end up coming out on top. Good for him, man. And, you know, we all love Spieth too, right? It, sometimes, for me personally, it took a little while to come around on Spieth. I, I think when he was winning and he was winning all those tournaments and the way that he won all of those tournaments, I, this is, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago now. But I he was always exciting, right? The chip-ins, miss the greens. You know, he chipped in to win, chipped in to go to playoffs. Always incredible. There was something about him that was like, he probably shouldn't be winning this tournament. I don't know if it's just like him hitting it everywhere and then somehow putting it in. Kind of felt a little cheap to me. I, I didn't necessarily think... DJ. The DJ thing, right. Exactly. Oh, man. that That's just... That still stings. Not, not as a huge DJ fan, but like, I feel bad for him for what happened and i think jordan did too honestly he talked he probably even talked about that he's i i I like now i like hearing him talk to greller i i didn't always like that now i like that and the jordan speed experience is something that is is truly must watch it's fun and i think the pga tour obviously with tiger not getting as much airtime as he used to just because he's not playing and um you know obviously rory's the ambassador you look for kind of this second tier of guys to to be the must watch and spieth is in that category i mean he's probably one of the biggest draws on the pga tour and like you i didn't i didn't love him initially um but to see him struggle so much in 1920 and kind of come back here and put some runs together. And I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. He is playing some really good golf has put together a few top tens here in the last couple months. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily the, you know, odds on favorite that he used to be coming into these tournaments, but he's definitely starting to put himself in a position to kind of establish this, this form and be among one of the top guys. Yeah, I think this is back-to-back top fives now. You know, he finished fourth at the Masters and obviously second this week. The real thing for me is when do we actually think Jordan Spieth is back? It's cool seeing him here. It's cool seeing him at the top of the leaderboards. I I really, I think he's the biggest draw on the PGA Tour these days. I I don't think it's John Rahm. I don't think it's Scotty Scheffler. I don't even think it's Rory McIlroy. I think Spieth is the biggest draw. And that's what, like you said, you see these USA chants in the playoffs. What other players? It's not happening for, I mean, maybe Rory. I guess there were some Rory chants at, I can't even remember what tournament that was last year. But I, I, he's one of, I think maybe you could argue Rory that are the biggest draw. But when is he actually back? Because I'm not convinced it's now. Yeah, and and 
to, to take us one step further here, like what is back? You know, he's not, he, as you said, like he won those two majors in 15 and then 16, obviously the disaster on the back nine um, at Augusta. And then 17 was such a, such an exciting, uh, you know, final couple of days for him at the, at the British, which, um, you know, I, I think that the standard that we held him to for such a long time and then to see him struggle, it's like, is this, is this the apex of it? Is this where, what we're going to get out of him? Because if he keeps stringing together results like that, you know, that putt lips in, he gets a win, you know, on, on, on the first playoff hole. So it's, for me, it, if he continues this form, the wins are going to come. Um, and I don't think that he'll ever be at that point where we're going to expect him to win at Augusta like it kind of was in 16 and then the years after. But um, for him to have his game here for the next couple of years, it'd be hard not to see him picking off another major couple of these big other tournaments so, i think that's the back that we're gonna that's, get that's what you think you think he's he's gonna pick off another major i think he'll get one more green jacket okay green jacket. now we're talking what about uh grand slam that's still no. possible he's gonna be one of the favorites at the pga no. probably right yeah i mean he doesn't hit it as hard as or as far as some of these other guys. Is, and, and the PGA, like if he, if he, you know, comes into the right environment, he could obviously get one. Especially if he's playing like he has been. I just like I'd give him a much better chance overseas or at the oh, Masters. Oh, for sure. And you see, you see at the RBC Heritage, like that's the kind of course that is really fitting Jordan Spieth these days. I think he did gain a lot with his driver. He's worked really, really hard on that, where he's he's a much, much better driver of the golf ball than even when he was at his prime. And I think that that pays off for him. Like you can see it paying off. Even when he was at his worst, he had like a third-place finish at Bethpage, which is known to just be bomber, bomber, and one-two Brooks DJ. Um, but the courses where he plays the best is back-to-back years where he finished in the top two at the RBC Heritage, which is a course where small greens, he can plot around, he can chip, he can putt. I don't know. I mean, the PGA... Valspar. Valspar, right. He's playing well there. I think that, you know, maybe a course like Kiowa, that would be a better fit for him, right? That was a PGA course. But traditionally, the PGA courses are slightly more U.S. Open-y in length. That's maybe not what is going to get it done for him. Yeah, and I think they also they play to a lot of these other guys' strengths, the the John Roms and the Scotty Schefflers of the world, where they can just, I mean, put together this level of consistency that, quite frankly, isn't in Jordan's game. Obviously, his string of results here have been fantastic but i i just i'd say i probably the u.s open is the one he's least likely to get moving forward then it'd be pga um and then the other two i'd give him a really really solid chance um so i yeah i think he gets i think he gets one more i i wouldn't be shocked and i think if he does win another major i would say okay there's there's jordan speed you know i mean he hasn't even he won the RBC Heritage last year, but he hasn't won since then. He's finishing consistently high, but he was known as a closer. 
that's kind of what until 2016 basically that, that the 12th hole at augusta that was what we knew jordan spieth for is the guy who's going to make every putt that he saw and that's not who he is anymore as we saw in this playoff so let's talk a little bit about another guy that was in contention down the stretch. I know there have been some things said about this guy over the last couple of weeks, uh, and that would be Mr. Patrick Cantlay. Obviously, he feasts at this tournament. I think he's had a couple top fives now, um, was obviously in the playoff with Jordan last year. Um, I was not rooting for him down the stretch. Um, I find it very tough to, else. given the pace <laughs> at which it was. You know, you know, it's funny. It's actually, I was at I was at a wedding this week, so I talked to one of my uncles that I hadn't talked to in God knows how long. Okay. And the first thing he brought up when we started talking about the PGA Tour was was Cantlay, and I was kind of caught off guard by it. It was like, oh yeah, round one the match. I was like, oh, this Cantlay guy just yeah. just can't stand him. He's just <laughs> doing doing the 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 green reading yeah, and taking yeah. forever and we, we were just screaming at each other for 15 minutes about it and coincidentally this was the day he hit the uh the ace which i'm not sure you saw his tweet <laughs> afterwards playing faster it's like i don't know if that matters if the rest of the round's taking five hours right, right. he's uh he's an interesting character that can't lay i i never really liked him mostly just because he seemed so boring um, he's, I, I can't believe that more guys are taking, you know, maybe not as long, but it is a problem. You know, every single week players are going on their second rounds are starting on, on Friday or the first rounds are finishing on Friday, second rounds finishing on Saturday, stuff like that. But Cantlay is obviously the biggest culprit, and when you're a player that's that high profile, playing in the last group, the second to last group at these huge tournaments with millions of people watching, and you're going to take 30, 40, 50 seconds a minute to, you know, put in a four-footer, we got a problem. I actually saw a video this morning that was comparing... You know, like you see all these baseball videos about like how fast the game is making it, how fast the pitch clock is making right. it, and they'll put like an overlay on something else crazy that's happening in between two pitches. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen these. Yeah, and so they did one with Cantlay this morning, where a horse ran an entire one thousand meter race and won in the time it took him to put in a four footer. <laughs> So we've got guys doing the Kentucky Derby in the time that it takes Patrick Cantlay to read a pot. Yep, that, that's, that, that's it. And, you know, the crazy thing is for the Kentucky Derby, people sit in line for eight hours to watch just the Kentucky Derby. At least. And that's not why I'm watching golf for eight hours to watch Patrick Cantlay put in a four-footer. Just don't even show it at that point. <laughs> and, and the players that you're playing with, look how angry they're getting. Last week, you saw Brooks on Twitter at the golf community on Twitter. Rom was talking about it. Um, Fitzy came out today and was just like, it is unacceptable. And the worst part about it is no one's going to do anything. Right. Well, God, I mean, I'm convinced at this point on, on Patrick Cantlay that he's not a real human. I, I, I've never seen anything Rose like Bond. it. I mean, he's won some major tournaments. I, and and he, you just you get nothing. You get nothing. And and sometimes he'll be playing the best golf in the world, but I mean, you watch these. 
what what was it with DeShambo at the BMW a couple of years ago, where it's just like anybody but DeShambo. So I guess I'm gonna root for this guy, and it's just like where is the energy? Is there anything? And I get like there is something to be said for keeping your cool, and it probably helps him a ton in these situations. But but the slow play, it's just like we've talked about other guys like Homa being called out for it and immediately responding positively and saying I'll change it. You know, you're not getting that. You're just getting pushback from Cantley, which it's just like, hey, if you weren't already unlikable enough or boring enough, nobody really has an opinion on you. Like, that's not going to help. And there's so many little things that you can do to just be like, okay, I will do it, even if you don't change, right? Like, you just say, okay, I, I'm going to make an effort to play faster rather than making excuses. It would be so much easier to tolerate as a fan, especially for someone who's consistently playing in final groups on Sunday when the most people are watching. I just, I don't think that he's shown us enough to be likable, and I frankly don't even think he cares. I That's why he's pushing back. I, I think that he's just going to play the way he plays, and like you said, there's something to the fact that he can just block out all the noise and still play good golf. Props to the guy. It's like, it's kind of like similar to like Patrick Reed when the cheating scandals are going on where he just goes out and and shoots the lights out the next day somehow when everyone in the golf world is is shitting on him you know and he can still do this there's something to be said about that obviously as a person but I'm not gonna root for him are you kidding me so question for you if you're the PGA tour like you talked about baseball and they've done something that seems very simple, but it's also like, you got guys complaining, like, who needs a pitch clock? What are we doing here? If you're the PGA Tour, what can you do that will tangibly affect this situation in a positive way without compromising other elements of the game? I... I don't think that there's a great solution, and I think that's why we're we're at where we are. I I don't totally understand where like putting groups on the clock went and and doing this, but I also know that they don't do that all the time because, for instance, Spieth and Fitzpatrick, play, or at least definitely Fitzpatrick, plays very very quickly. Uh, Spieth can go through times of not playing quickly. And Cantlay obviously all, always plays really slow. All three of those guys would be penalized in that case if they, you know, fell behind the clock, which is super, super not fair. I kind of think that it just these players need to take the onus for it and and own up to it. Um, I I don't know if there's really any good way to to go about it. The PGA Tour can can find people. But do you really think that Cantlay is gonna care if he's if he's gonna come in whatever third place, win a million dollars, and the PGA Tour finds him? Like, is he is he really gonna care about that unless they find him like his entire paycheck or something like that? Do you think on on the players and and that onus? Because I I think that's a big part of the solution. Do you think though that? Number one, Patrick Cantley has a I like he's obviously playing with Xander this week. He they have a well documented relationship. Do you think that behind the scenes, like Xander's a, a huge huge draw, like he feels comfortable having that conversation with Patrick, or do you think he keeps it 
they they just they keep it light and, and keep that out. I mean, that's just pure speculation, right. but it, it seems like that type of thing you might not see improvement because you know friends of friends might enable. I think that my my biggest guess here is that is that they're probably friends off the course and on the course it's like a professional relationship or whatever they may have. I don't I think that it is on the peers to say something and that's why you see all these guys coming out and saying stuff, right? They wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing it justice for the fans themselves if they didn't come out and say something. And it's not going to stop until he stops. So you know, I I guess I think probably you'll see him pick it up a little bit. I don't know if I don't know like exactly what the solution is going to be, and and I don't see him you know turning into a quick player. No, it's tough too because you can point to specific instances, and if if you're to penalize players on an individual basis, then they're going to come at you with an example of another player playing slow in a certain situation right it's like tough to kind of quantify the impact of what patrick cantlay does to slow down the game so in that same way it's it's really difficult to penalize it right like they can only do so much in terms of like putting guys on the clock and affecting the whole group and in theory that's supposed to like kind of turn the other two against the the slower player so he then feels the the need to speed up but just not happening here and i think that if you're the PGA Tour, you have to think of something as clunky as it might be, but you maybe have to go to specific players and say, hey, this exists, this rhetoric is out there, please fix it or else. And what that or else is, who knows? Um, but it, it's a problem that needs to be addressed because it just hurts the, the viewing experience so much. And speaking of people not following the rules and hurting the viewer experience... One of the more high-profile things that we saw this past week was someone who created the rules and then didn't follow them in Rory McIlroy skipping his second designated event. I, I'm this? having a tough time. You Look, I, I know that it's... And you hear all the players talking about it. I know Damon stepped up and said something. Xander, who is pretty quiet... He's, he said something about it. Um, I, I want to say Rom or Fitz did too. I can't totally remember. Uh, but it's, you can't, and look, it could be something that we don't know about, right? I, I think that this also something stems back here too, is that how much control actually does the PGA Tour have over these things? Because like Fitz said for the slow play, they're not going to do anything about that. And I don't know if there really is anything that they can do about it besides maybe, you know, a memo, penalize them a little bit, find them a little bit. This Rory fine isn't even a fine. They're not even taking money that he has already away. They're taking away money that he could have earned in the future. The pit money. They're, they're saying, oh, actually, you already got 75%. And then if you followed through with this, you'd get another 25 And we're just not going to give you that. It's like not getting a bonus, basically. So I, I feel for Rory a little bit here. Because you're Rory McIlroy. What do you care about? It's not the elevated event. It's last, last week. For sure. The Masters. Like, like that, that is what you work 
and put all of your effort towards in terms of your golf game at his point, this point in his career, and quite frankly, that and the rest of the majors. But what he has stumbled into the last year or so with this whole live thing is becoming more than just the golfer that wants to get another major and wanting to cement his legacy. He has become the ambassador for the PGA Tour. Like, undoubtedly. He's spoken more about it than any other guy. I mean, with Tiger being out of the spotlight a little bit, he is that person, and he has embraced it. To every extent, he's embraced it. So I struggle with doing all of that, defending your guys, and then having something like this where even though on the surface it's not that bad, not egregious to skip an event after the Masters, but he knew the stories were going to write themselves here. And it just makes his position look a little less. So, like, I like Rory. I like a lot of the things he said. Um, I just struggle with his foresight here, unless there's some injury that we don't know about which I'm sure will get published or whatever, yeah. but like it, it, it doesn't look good, right? It looks, I think it looks especially really bad when you have the Masters champion, John Rahm, who goes to this event and says, Playing for the kids. I'm, I'm playing for the kids. This is, I, I told people I was coming to this. Now I'm going to come to it. I'm not going to decommit. You got to, I mean, also, first of all, kind of shots fired there a little bit, in my opinion, but he's not wrong. And that's why we love Rombo. He's, he's going to be honest. He says these things, whether or not he truly believes it, we'll never know, but that's the kind of, he went there and he did it and he performed admirably. And, you know, we'll, we'll go into more about all the stuff that he did off the course this week, but Rory, you know, you got to think it's some sort of mental health thing because like you said, all that matters to Rory McIlroy at this point is the Masters. I think these elevated events and stuff like that, the you know, the protection of the PGA Tour, yeah, that's that's good and all for him. He's going to make more money because of that. The other PGA Tour players are going to make more money off of that. He kind of gets to step up and be this face of the tour. At the same time, it is his responsibility to then follow through with those things. And we're not seeing that. And it makes him look like a coward yeah absolutely and i just i think that he should have been there i do uh no matter what was going on i know it's the week after the masters but the fact that it was the second right like the whole you can miss one and maybe it was just poor planning on his part but you know that that story is going to write itself like you just have to be there and it it doesn't lend credence to everything that he said previously it just kind of makes him be like gives ammo to the guys that aren't listening to him and he's been so so outspoken about threats to the pga tour and has just gone on and on and i feel like there's played last week too right it's like and i think that's not being talked about enough probably because what happened was live performed pretty well Obviously, like between Kapka and Mickelson and like the guys in general, for sure, it was tough to like if you're going to make a sample size. Obviously, they had like the NAW withdrawal and stuff, but I'd say they'd take that ten times out of ten. 
if you're asking Norman. So other than a like, winner, it was, Rory, it was the best it could have been. Right, exactly. So for me, you had you had to be there. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the elevated event structure in general, and obviously this year it's a new thing. There are these eight tournaments and, and the scheduling. It is it is what it is. But um, next year, I know they're they're kind of transitioning to uh, a bit of a different setup. So at first, let's talk about this year and how they have adjusted and responded. Do you like what they're doing? Do you like that this was after the Masters? Yeah, I, I think it's tough because I'm such a big golf fan right that i i think that i would watch it anyways you know i still watched the honda classic earlier this year i still watched these events that are really truly suffering from it and and that that's another thing that these designated events are doing is look maybe it's bringing in these fringe golf fans that only watch the majors or I guess you can't even say fringe golf fans. I know a ton of people who are golf fanatics, but maybe aren't golf watching fanatics that watch the majors, watch when Phil's in contention, when Tiger's in contention. Those guys now are going to watch these designated events because the however many we've had so far have been absolutely incredible. And you can't take away from that. When it's a designated event, I get excited. I get excited. I know it's going to be a good week. They've done a really good job of picking the tournaments and the courses. I think the Heritage was a really good way of doing this, and it was a great tournament, a great course. It showed you know, what the best players on that course are capable of. I also, you know, the Zurich, surprisingly, has a pretty good field this week, but it's squeezing these smaller fields. And that hurts. That hurts us, though. Like the diehard golf fans, right? Because we're we're the only ones watching the the Honda Classics of the world, anyways, right? So it I, I get why they're doing it. Um, it it puts guys like Wyndham Clark in contention on these other weeks that are sandwiched in between, and it it really sets the schedule for the big names themselves, um, which. You know, it's something that they had to do. Now, where they're going, I don't think they had to go there. Um, if for those who don't know, they're overhauling this brand new system um, to essentially create limited field, no cut tournaments next year. And didn't we just do this with the WGC? Didn't we just get rid of this whole thing um, because it? It, it was flawed. And didn't we say that the no-cut aspects of live were bad? Like, what what's going on here? We got rid of the WGC because often it felt exhibitionary. And here now we're going to take these tournaments, which are supposed to, we're being told, are the highest stakes outside of the majors. You're making more money by Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick won $3.6 million this week. That's more than the majors. More than the Masters champ. More than the Masters champ. Right. Um, and then we're taking away the cut, which is what separates golf from any other sport, as the Full Swing Show generously taught us on every single episode, that this is something that makes golf very, very unique. I don't 
like that. I don't like no cut events. I I think that that's why Liv's product is not good enough, frankly, uh, among other things. But that's what makes the PGA Tour special. That's what makes golf special. It's written in the history like that. And it's just like feeding more into these top guys that, okay, what is your purpose for not having your A game and trying to finish higher at that point? I don't get it. So the eligibility here is the top 50 players from the previous year. So this year's FedEx Cup points list top 10 players that are otherwise not eligible through that criteria, the top five players not otherwise eligible through whatever that means through those. So it's just like a, a, a feedback loop, right? Um, so that gets you to 65 of the best players. And then anybody that was a winner on the PGA tour that year. So that might push you up to maybe 70 and then anyone in the 30, top 30 of the world golf rankings. So yeah, 65 to 80 players max you can see. And uh, higher above 65 because don't you think the wins would push people? Right. Yeah, they're not touching 80. That's just a PR statement. Um, Yeah, this is ridiculous. I I, I just, I don't get it at all. It, It just seems so counterintuitive to what's going on. And like, I... Obviously, you'll see the best players playing, and it's but it just squeezes the product. And a, part of the reason that you get stars is they they start winning, right? Like Sam Burns, where was he? Then all of a sudden he collects wins, and now he's you know the top of the favorites list a lot of weeks. And guys like people, fringe golf fans have heard the name. He may not be a superstar, but you, you create stars by allowing them to come up like Cam Young, guys that just perform in these spots and tournaments. And this just seems like you're cutting off that opportunity and cutting off the talent pipeline to protect the superstars and to the no cut thing. It's just, I mean, I understand you want someone to be able to come back and, you know, come down 12 strokes going into the weekend and shoot two low rounds. But like, that happens so irregularly that it just seems that this is uh, it, it bothers me as a PGA tour stand. It bothers me. And I can also see why it bothers some of these players, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to have the same guys who would be winning the tournaments, right? So you're still going to get Fitzpatrick, Spieth, Cantlay almost in the playoffs, Spieth, Fitzpatrick in a playoff, right? That part's not going to change. You're going to get that same excitement down the stretch. What's going to happen is the players who finished, you know, let's say minus nine in this tournament, which was like 35th place, that's actually going to be like 13th place and a way higher paycheck. And these guys who, you know, are, are filling them out, it's like, like my boy Run DMC, Denny McCarthy, he's like right around minus nine. He's not going to be in this tournament next year unless he wins something, which he probably won't. And you're, those guys are not going to get paid what they're going to. And the guys like, I don't know, Morikawa, who really didn't play that well and finished a minus nine or whatever, is going to be 13th place. And it looks way better than it actually is. 
Yeah, I. Who knows? Maybe this thing is like trial and error, right? I think it's gonna. Blow um, I think this... they're really gonna see how well it did this year, and they're they're gonna change some things because it's not set in stone. I don't think. Right. It was just communication, and this came out I think early March. So they they could have just been testing the waters. I don't think they're bound to anything. Um, it just feels like what they did this year is is working to an extent. Um, and we can get like, I'm sure as we do more of these, we'll get into the landscape of golf in general, but like, I, I do believe that they've created a very watchable product, um, from my standpoint, just because a lot of these tournaments have been exciting. And when you get a masters that is relatively anticlimactic, this compensates for it as someone that loves watching the game. So I'd be surprised if they really stuck to this entire uproar. I mean, I guess the retort to this is who's winning the elevated event? Who's in contention? I mean, other than, than Kitayama, you've seen pretty predictable outcomes over the course of this year. Um, so I think that would be their retort to sort of our rhetoric here. But I, I don't know. I just hate not to give those guys a chance. Another thing that's really is something that's changing in golf this year, along with these designated events, are how different these broadcasts are and how all this innovation that CBS and NBC are doing. And I really, really am starting to enjoy it, right? I think that the mic, you know, the first time when we saw Max Homa do it at the Farmers earlier this year, I think that was really, really cool. We watched him, you know, through a few shots. And I know Max has been super generous to do it on a bunch of other occasions. It also kind of feels like it's affecting them, weirdly enough. You know, we saw at the Masters, like, all the guys who Yeah, there's this theory out there, right? Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I get it, right? Because they're... I don't know if it's actually the case. I highly doubt it is. Uh, It's also, you know, a coincidence, I guess, probably, that none of these guys are in contention at the time, other than Max, who wound up winning. So, you can almost kind of debunk it there. uh but an- it's like the madden curse yeah right like the madden curse but uh the cbs mic curse i love that they um right another thing that they started doing this week was i would and i would love to see more of this bringing in the masters champ john Rahm, who just shot i don't know an okay round finished i think 15th this week and they bring him in right after for 20 minutes in the booth just like an analyst and i i don't know if you heard any of it but man he was good and it, it made for really really good tv on top of the good golf we were getting yeah it it was cool and honestly i'm not surprised just given what we hear from him on a weekly basis he's so good uh he's really it, it's so funny he's such a hothead on the course and kind of had that image for a while, but then you hear him talk and he's just so eloquent, so good at explaining himself. Just like right. he, he's a superstar, and and this was no different. Um, I really enjoyed hearing his perspective on current players because you always get yeah. you know you're getting the same guys. You're getting the Faldos, the Azingers, the the now Trevor Immelman every week where you just hear what they have to say and they're talking about the same players over and over. So you get that perspective, but it's so fresh to hear what a current player has to say about these guys. Um, and obviously it's not, you know, a hundred percent their real thoughts because they're 
broadcasting to the entire world, but I, I thought he was phenomenal. I really hope they keep doing this. And I, I don't see why they won't. I, I know that there's going to be other players. Like, don't be shocked to see JT do this in the future. Don't be shocked to see, you know, Homa oh, he'll do this love in the future. It. Right, it's right up these guys' alleys. And I, Homa's probably already signed up. Oh, for sure. For the the Wells Fargo, <laughs> he's probably already got the contract going. Because uh, that's unless you know, unless he's in contention, but you know, he could do it. I, I guarantee you he'll be on in the next couple months. And he'll be so likable. Uh, the thing with John Rahm that gets me every time, and, and I, I will not stop telling this to any single person that I, I know, and we talk about John Rahm, is the fact that how level-headed he is these days. And only a few years ago, this guy hired a mental coach who was an ex-bomb diffuser. How it's unbelievable, unbelievable turnaround from this guy, and it obviously is working. I, there's no one who's better under pressure than a bomb diffuser, and look what's happening. I would love a bomb diffuser. I, I might hire one right That's now because me on the course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it is crazy because I think for the longest time, I, as a viewer, complained about Rom. Um, mostly because he was so damn good and would get in the way of guys that I wanted to win. But I've totally embraced him in the last few years. Um, really just root for the guy because I think he's like a lot more interesting than Scotty Scheffler is um, in terms of like the top of our game. So I um, I like what he's done. And I just, you got to listen when he speaks now. I, I wonder, what do you think his relationship's like with Rory? You touched on this earlier, but there is an age gap. There's a competition gap. And you've seen him throw you know, that subtle shade. I wonder if you're kind of gunning for that, you know, PGA Tour ambassador type role. Well, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think that he's he's the most likely front runner for like this these 20-somethings because the other guys that are kind of in contention are, are in their 30s now. Uh, even, you know, JT's getting up there. I wouldn't be shocked if Rombo does kind of take control from here. I mean, he's obviously the best Euro player. He's been the best Euro player for a couple years now. People just, I, and I honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he, if he doesn't really like Rory for that reason, that Rory talks and acts like he's the best. Rory has earned to talk like that, and we can't take anything away from that. But the reality is that it's been probably three or four years since Rory was the best Euro guy. Since the last, before the last Ryder Cup, John Rahm was the best player. And I got to think that that plays a little into it. Also, if anyone yeah, knows definitely. any bomb diffusers, we got to let PB know. Yeah, please help me out with all bomb diffuser wrecks. Don't worry. Um, why don't we talk about Liv? Uh, Liv, Liv's got a uh, tournament coming up, don't they? Yep, this week is uh, the first Live Golf Australia tournament. I think it's down in Adelaide, if I'm not mistaken. The course looks really cool. I probably won't watch, but from what I've seen so far, I think this is kind of going to turn into like their flagship event. It looks like people are really, really buying into this one. Right, like kind of the leaning into the whole waste management party thing here. Yep, yep. They've got the hole, the party hole. 
where they kind of made it their own stadium kind of thing. I'm sure it'll be really loud. They'll have all, you know, their DJs out there or whatever. And I think that they're kind of it's it's an incredible time for them because they are just building on the fact that those guys played well, the live guys played well at the Masters, and they're kind of parlaying this into now we're going to have this crazy tournament in Australia and we're filling a gap that these Aussie players have been asking for for years, right? We've had all of these guys have been saying like Australia, it loves golf. And there have been so many really, really good Aussie players, yet the PGA doesn't ever go down there. The PGA Tour never goes down there, probably because it's in the middle of the night in the United States where most of our viewers are. But you're telling me that, I I mean, they have tournaments in the Middle East that the PGA Tour has co-sanctioned or whatever with the DP World Tour. Japan. Japan. Yeah, exactly. They went to Japan. There's probably they do the whole Asia swing. There's probably something there that we don't necessarily know about as fans that might be yeah, causing it's, this. It's green, and it comes in uh, stacks of a hundred. <laughs> right. Certainly, money. Right. It's got to be money. Yeah, like, right. It's something. Absolutely. Uh, it isn't at always for the PGA Tour, man. I mean, these guys are really getting on my nerves. But this is this is the first thing that I've seen live really, really, really get to and really just be this is this is what they're they're taking a stranglehold on this thing that the PGA tour was not taking advantage of. And the Aussie fans look like they love it. The players look like they're loving it. They might be onto something here. Yeah, we'll see. And not to mention they're doing it in sort of a dead zone time for the PGA Tour with the Zurich and then Mexico coming up next week. Um, Obviously, that was planned, I'm sure. But um, yeah, we'll see. I I still cannot sit down and watch live uh, for a few reasons. The product is is tough for me. Um, I don't really care about the players. I have very little invested into who wins i don't really i haven't taken time to understand the team structure or how that works just because i think the names are so corny but um yeah i mean what, just you don't seeing like them with their the logos on at the masters oh yeah that was actually that was a runner-up name for our podcast <laughs> for sure um, but you know they are doing some things and i think australia is interesting because i don't know what the PGA Tour, what held them back from being there, especially given that you have guys like Adam Scott winning the Masters, Cam Smith and his, you know, he was, he won the players, right? Like he was a PGA Tour guy um, and one of the young stars that they really got into. Um, and then they've, they've had guys that have come up like Leishman um, and Day, obviously, that have been very good for a very long time. And... I don't know. It seems like a missed opportunity, but I don't know where exactly they'd fit it in and how much it would move the needle. Um, I think that those tournaments in the fall are very underwatched because of a ton of factors kind of coming off the summer. And then with football season being such a big deal in America, I don't know when you'd go there where it would make sense. But I do think it's something that there were reasons behind them not doing it. 
And I wonder if something like this, if it draws anything at all, will encourage the PGA Tour to make a move out there. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked. As you know, both uh, parties seem to be just straight up copying each other at this point and getting what works. And that's going to be kind of the future of golf, if I had to guess. It's not going to be them trying to be more different than each other. It's going to be them taking the parts that work from each other and you know part of me part of me kind of thinks that maybe you know this isn't as untapped of a market as we think it might be and these guys are already watching all of these events down in australia so the pga tour maybe doesn't feel a need to fly over their best players and have them you know living on the other side of the world for a couple weeks just to have a tournament that people probably will not watch in the usa in hopes of gaining more fans, which I think is probably why they they went to Japan, right, and play in China and Japan, is to get these guys more into golf and watching the PGA Tour and knowing the PGA Tour guys. Whereas Australia, my guess is maybe they already do. And that kind of plays away from the PGA Tour going there. But at the same time, these players, like I think Cam Smith was, said that that was part of the reason why he left was because he felt the PGA Tour was ignoring their cries for this and why, you know, guys like Adam Scott and even Jason Day before this year were rumored. They seemed like pretty good candidates for going over, especially when, you know, Leishman left, Cam Smith left. They're forming this all Aussie team, right? And now these guys get to play a home game and it looks like they're having a really good time. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Um, it'll certainly be interesting and much more to talk about on the live front as we move forward. Um, but let's transition over to America's tournament this week, which is the always exciting Zurich Classic. For those that don't know, it is a team event. I think the only team event on the PGA Tour schedule. So they will play four ball every guy will play a ball on thursday they'll do foursome so alternate shot friday four ball on saturday and then foursomes on sunday is that correct yeah i think so. that is correct that is exactly um it's going to be really low scores um the course is tpc louisiana uh I, i i don't mind the course i don't usually really watch this tournament and i don't usually take very much of my brain power to think about this tournament especially when it's after the Masters. Right. And it's a, so it's a Pete Dye design. Um, It actually is a fun course. It's got some water in play. You tend to see very low scores, obviously at the four ball on Thursday and Saturday, and then um, higher scores. It plays a little bit harder on the alternate shot days because there's less balls in play. Obviously, I think last year the winners, Cantley and Shoffley were, Something like minus twenty five on Thursday even... and Saturday, and then only minus four oh, or five oh, okay, okay. That's... on on the other days uh, to get up to like oh, thirty or whatever it was. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think they set the record. Yes, they did, and they they won really with no contest last year. Um, they're the big favorite this year. They're obviously, well documented friends. Um, other than that, though, it is drawing a pretty decent field, I would say, for yeah, what it shockingly. is. None of the big names coming off the Masters. 
Right, but you've got the Kim duo with uh, Siwoo and Tom. You've got Homa and Morikawa, and then obviously Cantlay Shoffley, sort of at the uh, the top of the favorites list this week. There was way more good players than I thought, really. And and you're kind of getting this like second tier, right? You're not getting Ramshaw or Rory, but you are getting kind of the second tier. You know, Burns is here, Thigal is here, Sungjae is here. Uh, obviously, Shoffley can't lay Morikawa Homa, but some of the more likable guys, and it almost kind of makes me think that the players like this tournament. Yeah, and I think that that brings up a good question, too. It's like team golf in general. We've seen what Liv's done. Mm-hmm. I personally am not a fan of what they've done, but I don't know if I am fully against the team thing. I Obviously, the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup, they're major draws. They're so much fun. But a part of me thinks that they're so much fun because they happen so infrequently. Mm-hmm. I can't get the same juices flowing for the Zurich. It's not my favorite tournament. It wouldn't be on the schedule if it were up to me. But I think a lot of these guys like taking a little bit of a break to play with each other, play with their friends in, in something that they do on a weekly basis. Because I think as an individual golfer, it can get pretty isolating out there. Here's my question to you, I Zurich, is... Are you not? Are we not watching the Zurich because of the format, or are we not watching the Zurich because of the players and the timing of the tournament? You know, certainly both play a role, but I mean, if this was something like the Valspar, right, or or something sandwiched in between, you know, what the Valspar was coming off the the API and the players, um, I'm much more inclined to watch that just because. With the same thing. I like it same better. Thing. So all these guys are playing. Yeah. If 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 these if these guys are playing in a normal tournament, I'm watching it more than the Zurich ten times out of ten. Interesting. I, I mean I, it, I I just I don't I don't like it. Yeah. I don't know I, why. I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying I don't get why you're saying. I think I might disagree a little bit that I, I might watch some of this tournament just because there's guys that I like. Like, uh, I don't necessarily love Cantlay. Obviously, we've talked about Cantlay. I don't really like Cantlay. I like Shoffley. Um, I'm not going to watch that group because I don't want to waste eight hours. Um, I might watch Homa. I really like Homa. I might watch Tom Kim. I think Tom Kim's really refreshing. And I, I would watch these guys whether they're playing in a stroke play event or the team event. And I'm not really sure that that part really matters to me. I think my, you know, lack of enthusiasm for this tournament is kind of stemming more from the fact that last week was a designated event. The week before was the Masters. And I have put a lot of energy into watching those tournaments. I'm not going to put the same amount of energy into watching this tournament regardless of what it was. Even if they made this another designated event, I'd be like, oh, wow, really? Another one? Um, And I think there is something to breaking it up a little bit. And if the players like doing this format, you know, they got like the walk-up songs and stuff like that. It is sort of live-esque in a way. And if the players like it, man... I think it's fun for them. Yeah. No, totally. And I, I'm I'm very pro that part. And I think that the thing that we don't realize too is 
if I want a golf tournament every weekend, that's that's my preference. But for these players to be performing at their best, they need breaks here and there. So in this case, this is a low pressure, fun environment that a lot of the guys love and the guys that don't, they can just skip it like Rory McIlroy does the designated events. So it's it's really easy for me to criticize the product. But I, I do think the team aspect of the golf game should be an area of focus and an area of improvement for the PGA Tour. I think Liv's bringing on of that is definitely something that could be incorporated because I'd love to see, like, you get to see different sides of these players that are usually so intense. Like, that's what we loved about Ram in the booth. You see a different side of that So when they're playing with each other. I think if the field was stronger, I'd be much more inclined to love this tournament if this was something where guys were doing it every year. Like, I love the match play because it's a great switch up and you can see the best guys go at it one-on-one. So if we got that two-on-two with the guys that I cared about a ton more, then that'd be great. But it's tough to get super excited when the field just can't get that deep because of where where it is in the schedule. You know kind of what we're getting at is that it, it isn't just one thing it's a combination of everything and that's okay and sometimes in golf um part of the reason why we like golf is because it is happening every week and if i want to tune in on sunday or saturday or whatever and watch for a few hours i can um unlike some other tours where it's happening once every once in a while and that's it uh even if you know the best players aren't playing guess what sometimes i just want to sit down on sunday and watch my golf uh, i don't really care who's playing to be honest I, I can watch pga tour players who are so much significantly better than anyone i've seen play with um and i can watch them hit incredible shots whether it's kevin kisner chipping in or scotty Scheffler chipping in and uh i i'm i'm all for having these events especially uh you know maybe maybe i won't be following all the way but some event needs a placeholder and this is this is as good as any right so i guess let's get your take on who you think's poised to have some success this week i know this is a tougher one to kind of you know handicap in essence because it is often two players that are in very contrasting forms um Obviously, Cantlay and Shoffley have won this thing before. They're huge favorites, and they're going to be expected to put together a good result. I'm curious your take on who's poised to have some success this week. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to take too much into account this week. Um, Probably not recent form. I think that a lot of these guys have been playing for weeks and weeks on end, and a lot of these guys haven't. So it is going to be a little interesting. You know, some of these guys we haven't seen in three or four weeks. Uh, I I like um, Figueroa. Or years. I like, or yeah, years for that matter. We got Daly and Duval at the end of this one. That, I mean, that, that in and of itself is kind of intriguing. I, I might watch for a little bit of that. They're going to be in last place, but I, still could be kind of fun to watch. Um in all seriousness, I think Figal has been on a roll. Him and Justin Suh, that could be a team that I could see have some success. Uh, looking a little farther down, um, 
the Matt Fitzpatrick and his brother Alex that that's intriguing I don't think they're going to win I, I have no idea how good a golf Alex is um, but again something that I look out for watching I hope they're on a featured group I, I'd love to see that um, Harris English and Tom Hoagie is an interesting team I think I think for the field these guys are up there and uh, if they can hold some putts that that would be a team that I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing there and uh another one really quick is Thorbjorn Olison, who we haven't seen play a PGA tour event in who knows how maybe ever Thorby right Thunder Bear where's he been he plays on the Euro I think he was in jail I think he like pissed on an on, on a plane or something like that something really wild no he did yeah something real or, or was like jerking off on a plane or something like that yeah yeah he no this guy has been been all over the place but he actually leads the Euro Tour in strokes gained this year in scoring average. Uh, no joke. He leads the Euro Tour. And he's playing with Nikolai Hoygaard, who a few weeks ago had a pretty good finish. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them do well. Thorbjorn Olsen from 2019. Golfer found not guilty of sexual assault. Assault by beating and being drunk on flight in... Yeah, 2019. Okay, this is from 2021. But the plane ride was after the FedEx St. Jude in 2019. He wept in court and says he wants to focus on his golf after he was cleared. What is going on with this guy? I, this is the first time I've heard of him since that story. That's why it shot up to me. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. This totally went over my head. I was deep into golf in 2019. I, I hadn't heard of any of Pretty this. Pretty crazy. His conduct was not voluntary, his lawyer said. Oh. Or his barrister. So the drinking wasn't voluntary? That's what we were saying? Get out of here. Yeah, so when I, when, <laughs> when I get drunk and piss on a plane in front of everybody, <laughs> yeah. it's certainly not voluntary. Yeah, yeah. That's right? like uh, that... what from like Trailer Park right. Boys is. Ricky's like... Uh, I'm getting drunk today, so anything I do after this isn't my fault. Spot on. Uh, maybe maybe Thorbjorn is a fan. Uh, what you call him? T-Bear? Thunder Bear. That's what it translates to. Thunder Bear. Yeah. Thunder Bear. Oh, that's awesome. Kinda All right, dope, yeah, this guy's a winner this week, I'm sure. I wouldn't be sure. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, half awesome. these guys, probably. You're telling me he's, he's not Certainly. worse than, I don't know. Who's out here? Like, is that Ryan Moore or Taylor? Jim Moore? Herman. Oh, he's definitely better than Jim Herman. Oh, if it's Bill Haas. Is he playing with his dad again? Jay. <laughs> I think that's what he did last I year. I think they play at the, uh, I, I thought that was the PNC. Was that the PNC or did they play this? They pro- <laughs> it's probably That would be crazy if they play this. I kind of feel like they played this one and they were on like classic PGA Tour just being so ridiculous you've got like kind of good players you'll have like Figala and Su playing next to them or Joel Damon who people like and then on the featured group they'll put on Bill Haas and his dad Jay like something ridiculous like that classic yeah just absolutely like hitting hitting a drive straight down the middle 185 <laughs> yeah right right that's exactly why I want to watch this week thank you for that this is yeah oh well um so for me, I I love Theala and and Justin Sa. Um, I know recent form isn't necessarily a great consideration, but they've both 
been playing very well this year. Um, Thigala is one of those guys that feeds off of energy. So for this tournament, it's more about, for me, looking for kind of intangible elements that you're not necessarily doing to predict a normal golf tournament because of that team event aspect to it. So for me, Thigala and and so kind of have that, and it's a Pete Dye design, which we we know that Thigala just absolutely so, loves. Sweet. Yeah. So I. Right, and he, um, you know, he's kind of looking to break through here. So this would be this would be a fun one for him. Um, you know, for me, I think English Hoagie is also pretty enticing. Those guys haven't been playing too well. Um, I'm looking at Matthew Neesmith and Taylor Moore. Uh, I have no idea about these guys at all if they'll play well together. But Taylor Moore has been lighting the world on fire. Um, he obviously won at the Valspar, played really well last week. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see them put something together. Neesmith hasn't been great, but um, who knows? That's that's more of a more of a field play. Yeah, and um, could be good and like else for me. Something, you know, like he could just make a ton of birdies. Right. They shoot minus fifteen one day, and that's why you like. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you kind of can accumulate as much as possible on. Thursday and Saturday, and then damage control on Friday and Sunday, it's like you're, you're bound to have a good time. And a little sneaky thing here is look for guys on Thursday morning that are playing and because they will get the, in theory, the slightly better draw here because it's really calm and there isn't wind, there aren't winds that pick up. Um and it's not like a normal event where it'll affect it as much uh, because you can make so many birdies. I know they'll get the Friday afternoon pairing for the foursomes, but they tend to have a little bit more success here looking back throughout the years. The only other team that really interests me is way down there. I'm sure nobody else wants them, but uh, Carson Young and Kyle Westmoreland. Oh, the fake Cam Young. So, Right, yeah, the fake the the C Young that you've seen at the top of a lot of leaderboards is not playing in this event, but Carson Young has put together some decent results here in the last month or so. Now these guys are a major long shot, but he finished tied nineteenth last week in a very strong field. I don't know if Kyle Westmoreland has hit a golf ball in the last few months. Um, his PGA Tour results are certainly not something to look at, but. Don't be surprised that these guys put together a little something this week. They're my, let's call it, dart of the week, way down on the odds board there. So um, other than that, I'm, I'm excited to watch some of the guys play this week. Um, obviously, it looks like Xander and Patrick Cantlay are going to be up there just because of their history, and, and they're the two best golf players in this tournament, arguably, so... Um, should be fun, but honestly looking forward to getting ahead on the May stretch here as we hit the Wells Fargo and then the PGA Championship. Yeah, right. We got a, we got a really exciting few weeks coming up. Um, Mexico next week. I know that that's not the greatest tournament ever, but I, I think that probably we'll see some good names there. I know Finau and Rom played last year. I'd be shocked to see Rom play again this year at this point, but, um, yeah, Wells Fargo after that is on Quail Hollow, which is absolutely iconic. Will be a really good field. 
will be a lot of good players and it's a really nice course so i'm sure we'll see the same thing we have from the designated after that um week after that you know looking forward we have the byron nelson which is played at some unique courses uh i think it's the one that kh lee has won two years in a row so maybe lee will can he get the three yeah, maybe lee will get the three peat that's what we'll be talking about all week and then the elusive pga tour triple right and then we're we're running into you know right around the corner is another major and we'll have a ton of content up for that um maybe even starting next week so we're pretty excited yeah fun times ahead as we uh, get into the heat of the golf season here obviously ran through the spring pretty quickly but our plan is to hopefully get something out weekly to sort of recap the uh the past week's tournament and move on and look ahead just general landscape and the upcoming week's tournament um we'll change the structure as we go start to find things that gel and have fun but appreciate all the listeners out there much love to the two of you if there's that many and uh (laughs) thanks grandma for for jacob i'm patrick all right yeah Um, (laughs) appreciate it any any sort of like or subscribe or anything will will go a long way you know follow at the golf geniuses on tiktok and instagram and twitter um follow at the pin seekers pod on instagram uh, we'll work on getting a Twitter up and a YouTube up in the future. So thanks again, and we will uh, see you guys soon.